Welcome into the post Arch Madness edition of the Redbird Report, presented by the Vedette. I'm Tom Prizman, alongside Josh Tolentino, sports editor for the Vedette, and Mike Morrow, sports reporter for the Vedette. And guys, both of you were down in St. Louis. I went down just to watch as a fan on Sunday, but you were there reporting for the Vedette all weekend. It was a great start to the weekend. Friday was a nice win for the Birds. And then Saturday, a really great first half, and the Birds rolled throughout the second half. But of course, the main event is Sunday against Wichita State. Illinois State never got going offensively, and they fell 71-51. Mike, you're just your thoughts on the weekend in St. Louis for ISU. Well, they, like you said, Tom, they had a great first two days there. And the one thing I had said going into Sunday was they shot really well on Saturday. So I said it can only go down. It was actually at halftime of the Southern Illinois game, the semifinal, where I had actually turned to Josh and I had said their shooting percentage can only go down, whether it's today or tomorrow. I, I don't really think it's going to keep up that way. And it, it turned out that it went down on Sunday and it went down quite a bit and and let's be honest, they didn't play a great second half. Obviously, you're up by so much. They didn't need to play a great second half against Southern Illinois. But their last three halves in Arch Madness were not ones that they would want to remember. The last one against Southern Illinois and obviously the full game against Wichita. They did not shoot the ball well. And on the defensive end, they didn't really get the job done as much as they normally do, closing out on shooters and especially on the offensive glass. Wichita really hurt them on the offensive boards. Uh, Wichita really hurt them, I mean, in all aspects of the game. You know, ISU is the long athletic team in the Valley that everyone calls them, but Wichita State beat them at their own game. Um, Way too long on defense. They gave ISU trouble right from the gate. Zach Brown was on Paris Lee, who was basically the only warrior that that the Redbirds had, finished with 18 points, but shot 7 of 21 from the field. But outside of that, ISU had little to no contribution. I mean, you got Mikhail McIntosh finishing with 16 points, but 12 of those... That was when the game was already out. Yeah, of hand. He, yeah. That, he scored a lot of points down the stretch when the game was already decided. Those that sixteen was very misleading. And for Paris, he had eighteen, but he missed a lot of shots that he normally hits. I think in that first half there was a sequence where I think it was eighteen fourteen where he missed a wide open left side three and then missed a layup. Mm-hmm. And those are two shots that nine times out of ten Paris Lee's going to can. And to not hit those and not to get the birds back within one or get them within two. Was I felt like a turning point of that first half. And definitely not just Paris missing those bunnies, those typical shots you make. Uh, Deontay Hawkins, he missed a couple of those padding over-the-shoulder uh, type hooks. Um, and then Mikhail McIntosh, he missed two big shots early in the game, just right down in the post, and then he missed free throws. I mean, that's been the story of the year. The, the ISU Redbirds are last in the Valley in free throw percentage, and it showed yesterday they only shot 57%. But then, again, we got to talk about just their overall shooting. Yeah, they they also got into foul trouble, which really, really hurt them. I mean, Phil Fain, within the first three minutes, gets two fouls, goes to the bench. David Njai also got in foul trouble yeah. in that first half. So they were lacking size, which is difficult against this very long, as you mentioned, Josh, the Wichita State team. Yeah, and one of, the, one of the keys I said before the game for Illinois State, or for Wichita State, excuse me, was to get Illinois State into foul trouble, and... They did. They did. They just sure that. did. Yeah. Um, Phil Fain. I mean, those two calls early. Once you once you get him out of the game, I mean, Dan Muller said once you get him out of his groove, then it's really hard to get back going. Yeah, and it didn't help that you know after the first probably fifteen minutes or so, you know, I'm sure they still felt in it or maybe wanted to be in it, but they did look a bit defeated. And then the one thing that they needed was to come out of the half strong, maybe win the first three four minutes, and they went down. They let. 
Wichita, I think, score five or seven straight points before they got on the board, and just that lead was just way too much to, to come back from. You know, I drove down yesterday to watch the game at, at the Scott Trade Center, and I was always driving down. I really thought there were three possible outcomes for the game. Number one is a 50-50 game, a tight competitive one like we saw last year between Evansville and, and you and I where it comes down last possession and either team can win. The second possibility, I thought, was we'd see kind of a repeat of what the Birds did against Northern Iowa a few years back in the conference championship where they got that big lead and then it starts to dwindle in the second half and eventually the Panthers overcame it. The third option is that I think the kind of the game we got, which is where the Birds were hanging around for a long time, but they never felt like they were truly in it. Anytime they got momentum, Wichita State was able to stem the run. They were able to stem the momentum and get a basket or get a stop. And I felt like that was the game we got where every time that Illinois State got close and the fans would get on their feet and they'd make some noise, Wichita State would do what they needed to do, build the lead back up, and then Illinois State was never able to get that basket to tie the game or get within two. Right? And again, all, all that momentum from ISU was from Paris Lee. Literally no one else on that team was able to contribute. The senior leaders they were able to depend on for so long this season, the leading scorer, leading rebounder, Man, Deontay Hawkins, he just picked a bad game to not show up. Just five points, two of eight. Ended up with five fouls and then got a technical on his way out, um, which ended up having him to watch the rest of the game in the locker room. Yeah, and then just going off what you t- you said, Tom, about what kind of game we got, it was eerily similar to the game at Wichita. The first half, they didn't necessarily feel out of it, but you could kind of tell where the game was trending. It was really all momentum on Wichita State side. And you and I were texting right at halftime. You know, I, we were able to see each other, but I was up in the 300 level and you were down at courtside. And I was texting you and you said to me, you said they need to come out of the half here and win the first four minutes so that under 16 timeout. And they didn't do that at all. I think it was an eight-point halftime deficit in Wichita built it up back up to double digits by the time that under 16 timeout hit. Yeah, just like the game at Wichita. It was just... To me, it just felt so similar. I mean, obviously, not similar in the fact that I was at Wichita because I was sitting at home for that one. We were sitting next to each other, and we were not happy about that one. And I don't think many in the Redbirds faithful were happy about that performance. And it was tough because that was a great crowd. I think the crowd was just announced a little under 12,000, 11,000 and change. And for a 19,000-seat arena, I mean, that was really impressive. I was sitting in the upper deck, and... The upper deck was decently filled, and basically the mm-hmm. entire lower bowl was filled. A lot of red. I had I took a Snapchat of when they had the when the lights went out and they did the the flashlights. You saw flashlights all over the building. So the Redbird fans showed up. Unfortunately, the team just didn't have the performance that you'd hope, Josh. Right? Yeah, I would definitely say kudos to that Red Alert student section. I mean, not just them, just the alumni that came out. I mean, I think both of you guys would agree that the red out outnumbered the the typical dominant yellow today. I mean, this past weekend. Yeah, and it was kind of. Funny, because, you know, being out in St. Louis and, you know, seeing some fans and all that, um, we ran into some Wichita State fans, and they had actually said that this was a down year for Wichita State, which, you know, was kind of weird because there mm-hmm. still were a ton of that, Shocker fans. That was, that was a great, that is definitely an NCAA tournament team. You know, fans shouldn't be surprised if Wichita State makes a run to the Elite Eight, maybe even the Final Four. As Dan Muller said, that team was probably the best Wichita State team he has seen. I mean, that's the team that would probably end up be somewhere between a 9 and an 11 seed, I would imagine. Maybe even a little bit lower now that they're ranked. And I think they're going to have a nice opportunity to knock off a high seed in that round, too. And whoever's going to see them in that second round, assuming Wichita gets by in the first round, it's going to be a highly ranked team that does not want to see the Shockers because they're going to be a tough out. And, of course, the tournament now brings us to the main question of the weekend. 
Birds fall by 20 to Wichita State in the conference championship. We talked about it. It had been the story really since that second, that first Wichita loss back in the beginning of February. Could ISU get in the tournament if they did not win Arch Madness? Well, we're in this situation. Now we have the seven-day period where Dan Muller and the team will, I'm sure, be still practicing, preparing as if they're going to go to the NCAA tournament, but we don't know. And I, I don't have a great feeling about it. Mike, what do you think? I know you wrote a column yesterday after the game discussing this very issue. Yeah, I, I, I don't see it happening. I mean, 27-6 and six overall, it, it looks to be a tournament team. You see 27 wins, 6 losses, yeah, I mean, they look like a great team, and they're, they are. They're a good team. And, you know, Fun to watch. I mean, great team that should be in the NCAA tournament, but... Yeah, but they lack... Their resumes. weak. It's weak. I mean, and, you look at... We, we, we talked about this um, in the office a few weeks ago. You look at Monmouth last year. They're kind of the, the, the example of a team that was the number one seed in their conference tournament last year in the MAC. They lost in the conference championship game to Iona, and they the max is not as good as the MVC, but it's a good mid-major league. It's not you know it's not a bottom tier league. It's a good league, and they had wins over Georgetown, UCLA, Notre Dame, and USC, and they finished twenty-seven and five, I believe. So very similar record, and they didn't get in the tournament last mm-hmm. year. And then and, and then you look at ISU's schedule this year. I mean, really no top 100 wins outside of their win against Wichita and then now this win against New Mexico that might end up being under 100. I mean, when Wichita State is the only team that you beat and then you ended up getting blown out twice by them and then the last blowout in the most important game of your season... It doesn't look great to the selection committee. No, I think that win's almost negated at this point. I mean, you, you, if it was a competitive game, if you if you say you lost two out of three to Wichita, but the last game, ignoring the 40-point one, if you lost on Sunday, like West Washpond shot that beat Evansville last year, where it was a two, it was a, a one-possession game and either team had a chance to win, that's one thing. But to never really even be in the game, that's not a good sign for the Birds tournament resume. And you look back... So that first game of the year at Murray State, that was a really bad loss. Murray State was the seventh seed in the Ohio Valley Conference Tournament. They were not very good this year. A, a loss at Tulsa, a loss at TCU, those would have been big wins. And then even like a loss at, in, at against San Francisco in the Hawaii Tournament around Christmas. If they could have won that and maybe beat San, San Diego State, who would have awaited them in the championship and won that tournament, all those would have been really helpful instead. ISU, their best wins... New Mexico, who's, I mean, they blew a 15-point lead in under a minute not that long ago. They're not a team that played particularly well this year. Wichita, which we've already covered, and Tulsa, who they split against. So I just, the tournament resume, even though it's a weaker bubble this year, the tournament is not as strong as it was last year. I just don't see a way they get in. Yeah, it, and then the one thing that people are going to, you know, come at us with if they hear this and think that they should be They're going to come at us. There's going to be people on this campus. There's a lot of people right now on this campus that think, and I know we know them that think yeah. the birds are getting in, and that is because and we do have to mention it. Some of the projections, Joe Lenardi from ESPN, yeah. I know some others still have them in the tournament as that maybe that playing game spot at eleven seed won the last four in. It's possible, but it's tough right now. There's still a week left to go, and there's so many. The birds have to watch every conference tournament and pray every one seed wins from here on out because any bid stealer could be the the team that ends the tournament hopes for ISU. Yeah, and the one thing that I was going to mention is. Is their RPI? Yes, I believe today it came out officially that it's thirty. So that's where they stand right now as of Monday. Is is thirty, and it was twenty six going into yesterday's championship game. Yeah, a, a, a thirty ranked RPI in the country is is great, but 
that is just about the only thing on the resume for the Redbirds, and, and, and you and, can't get into the, ter- the tournament. The, the committee is not going to be like if they have a great RPI. Let's let's put them in. That's that's not the only thing that they look at when picking the field. And Josh, there's no doubt. I think in all of our opinions that. I, ISU is one of the best 68 teams in the country. If you were to just do the best 68 teams, they're in the field. Mm-hmm. But the tournament resume right now, I just don't think allows them to get in. Uh, definitely. As Mike mentioned, the only thing they really have going for them is the RPI. I mean, the really last showing, despite the outcome, despite the loss, was yesterday in St. Louis, and they just really they couldn't put it together. And not And at the very end, when the wheels started to come off, I mean, I think the selection committee looks at that. I mean... You, when Mikhail McIntosh, when he got called for that sec, uh, that technical, after uh, Hawkins got called for his technical, I think the fo- the actual foul call was on Tony Wills. You heard Dan Muller say, "Mikhail, stop embarrassing us." You know the selection committee is watching these games, and yesterday was just not the best showing for the Redbirds. So much of the, the NCAA tournament, and much of the tournament committee wouldn't want to say this is branding. You know there is the idea that you want to get some of these mid majors in to build the Cinderella. You want to have the good storylines, but the NCAA does not like seeing their teams and members that will be in the that could be in the NCAA tournament be on bad behavior. Those two technicals to two of the three best players. These aren't guys that, you know, are And these are older guys yes. playing a younger team. I yes. mean, these are seniors and juniors that got technicals in the absolute worst time. Mm-hmm. And then not only that, I mean, Redbird fans, they sh- you guys should just not be surprised on Selection Sunday if ISU's name isn't called over, and then you get a seventh place, seventh seeded, maybe Big Ten team in there. Or even a team like Syracuse, which is below 500 right now in the ACC, had lost to St. John's, doesn't have that many great wins. Mm-hmm. But there's just this bias, and I think we all have to see it, towards the big conference teams. Because when ISU plays a great game, they're going to get a win over Loyola. Or they're going to get a win over Southern Illinois. When they played their best basketball, they beat Drake this year. When Syracuse plays its best game, they get wins over Duke, or they get a win over an ACC, a top-level team, and that's the difference right now is when Syracuse or someone like that is on their game at a big conference, they're just going to get a better win because they're playing higher-quality competition. doesn't mean they're a better team. just means they have a better tournament resume. And nothing against the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament, but, I mean, a win in a Big Ten Conference Tournament, you know, even if you get, I mean... The Valley did not do any favors to ISU this year. It was, it was not a good year for the Valley, no. outside the top two. No. I mean, this is the first time in a while that the, the Valley only has two top 100 teams. And, and really, the and we said it coming in, the, the best chance the Birds have to make it to the NCAA tournament was to get this automatic bid and win in St. Louis and... You know, it, it it really just wasn't close yesterday. And there were so many awards and accolades for the Birds this weekend and just this season in general. Finishing 27-6, and six, Dan Muller, Coach of the Year, Paris Lee, Player of the Year. I mean, just so much with this historic season. But they couldn't get it done this weekend. And, I mean, it just kind of shows over history... This past decade, ISU has made it to the tournament, not just the tournament, the MVC championship game five times. Every single game, they have lost. That's a damning sign for this program. I mean, you have to get to these big games. They've done that. you got to give credit to the coaching staff for getting there. They just have not been able to get over the hump. And I think all of us expect that drought that's been since 1998 to continue. Guys, just your final thoughts on the weekend in St. Louis before we turn to the hoops in the heartland and the women's basketball team. Yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, they did. They played some good basketball. The one thing I really liked out of it, and another thing that I had I had wrote about is, is Keyshawn Evans. I think, you know, with, with Paris Lee departing, that's one guy you never want your program to lose. You always want a guy like Paris Lee in your program. But Evans 
has gotten to work under Paris for two years now. Um, versus Evansville in the quarterfinal had 16 points. And the one thing I really, really liked about Keyshawn was this was really his first, you know, Arch Madness tournament. And he came out shooting the ball with confidence. I mean, he looked confident out there. And David David uh, David Njai also had himself a pretty good Valley tournament, especially in that in that semifinal game against SIU. And even a guy like Madison Williams, who hasn't played that much down the stretch due to some injuries, he got a lot of run in that semifinal game, which is a good experience for these young guys to get. So there are pieces for ISU to build upon next year. But, Josh, your final thoughts on a weekend in St. Louis that was not the outcome ISU was hoping for. If you are a Redbird fan, you definitely have to give your hat tip, your give a bow to Paris Lee, man. Um, he really showed the what type of career he left here. I mean, he did it the right way. And then, I mean, he couldn't have had, like, a better... Obviously, they wanted a better outcome from yesterday's championship game, but he left it all on the line. I think at one point on Twitter, he was trending nationally. Um, So that right there shows you the impact he's made. But, I mean, then again, just going back in the past decade, ISU 0-5 in in their five chances in the MVC championship game. They just cannot get over the hump. And I think it's just another year, another drought for the Redbirds. And you know on Sunday when CBS airs the selection show, ISU will be gathered around. There will probably be a big party, whether it's at Redbird Arena. And the the team will be watching. And I'm sure CBS might even have a camera there. You know, they love that shot of the team celebrating. I just don't see, and I think all of us do not see, the Redbirds being a team that gets to celebrate. Definitely. And actually, in regards to the logistics of ISU, the men's basketball team's um, practice schedule this week they are off today dan muller said they'll be off tomorrow wednesday's another debatable day if they'll get off but he does want to get them back on the court at the end of the week and sunday they will have that private selection show um not open to the public or the media but i'm sure like what you said tom the the cameras might be be there and you know guys the three of us and i'm sure everyone else who's going against their ncaa tournament bid i'm sure we would all love to be proved wrong um we'd love to cover the ncaa tournament cover this redbird team But we just, I mean, as we said in this podcast, we don't think we will hear their name called. No, and we do have to mention, Joe Lenardi and others, I said, have them in right now. So it's not out of the question. There's certainly an opportunity for them to get in. I just think in our three opinions, we don't see them getting in. And the thing is, is we're just like anybody else out there. We're making a prediction. Nobody knows... What this has been a year where this has been the sports year and, and the the political year as well where predictions have gone wrong. So anything can happen. They, they somebody could blow a three one lead. You never know. But we don't see it going the Redbirds way. Right, and and, and that's just it though. Is all of these proje- projected brackets come out each year, and so many of them are wrong, and so many of them have like last year. You seen Monmouth in first four in last four out or first four out. So, so, you know, I mean, all these projections are, are just projections. So, you know, we'd like to see the Redbirds in, and it'd be it'd be awesome to cover an NCAA tournament team. I mean, there'd be nothing more exciting than doing so, but I just don't think it'll happen. The Redbirds, the good news is that's not, that, that will not be the last game of Paris League's career. They will get an opportunity, whether it's the end of the NCAA tournament or the NIT, to see some more basketball. And Redbird fans will get some postseason basketball no matter what, which is a good step for this program. But obviously, ISU fans hope it will be the NCAA tournament. And speaking of postseason basketball, we turn our attention to the Quad Cities, where the women's basketball team for ISU travels. They'll play Thursday against Indiana State in the 8-9 contest first round. Winner gets Drake, the top overall seed. Drake really rolling, entering the tournament. Mike, you're the women's basketball beat reporter. Your thoughts heading into this basketball tournament. Going to be a tough one for ISU, but certainly... Would be a good step in the uh, step in the right direction to get a win on Thursday against an Indiana State team that so far has really dominated ISU. 
Yeah, they're seven and twenty-two going into hoops in the Heartland. Four and fourteen in the MVC, and like you said, Tom, beat writer for the team, and it's it's been a long season. They spent a lot of time watching some blowout games this year. Yeah, you know, and and turnovers, and just just overall bad play, bad shooting, bad defense. It, it, it's gonna. It, it, it's been a long season. I guess that's all I'm getting at, and. I think it's going to be a short stay because, like you said, Indiana State has played in the Illinois State really, really well this season, including a game they played. Illinois State's play for K game was Indiana State this season, and that's a game that you kind of think you might come out with some extra motivation, some extra, you know, extra anything to just come out and play better in front of a home crowd, in front of a in front of a cause that's just so great. And Indiana State came in and, and ran them right off the floor. And so, I mean, there's going to be no extra motivation in this game other than maybe it's the postseason, but Indiana State's got that one as well. So I, I think it'll be a short stay in hoops at, at Hoops in the Heartland. They do have the two seniors, Rochelle Beecham and Taylor Stewart, who this will be the final games of their career unless they're able to win the conference tournament. So I think that'll give them some extra motivation. And I'll say this, I think Rochelle Beecham and Taylor Stewart, in big games, they have been able to step up, especially in the fourth quarter. Rochelle Beecham, we've seen it a couple times. She put on some fourth quarter displays. The other thing I'll say is it is difficult to beat a team three times in one season. That's what Indiana State will try to do, especially because Indiana State, they're not a powerhouse. There's a reason they're the eighth seed. They're not somebody that's been blowing out everybody in the Valley all year. So Barb Smith will certainly have her tall task against her team, but if they're able to get a win... That would be a nice step for the program, get to play on Friday, and anything can happen in March in terms of, obviously, Drake is a phenomenal team, and they would be heavy favorites, but it is March, and anything can happen. Right, and like you said, Tom, Indiana State, no powerhouse, 13-16 and 16 on the season, 7-11 overall in the NBC, but, you know, it, it's postseason basketball, anything can happen. The Redbirds coming in with seven overall wins. That eighth win would now be a postseason win, which would certainly give... Especially this young, young Redbird team, some maybe some confidence going into next season, but I, I just think that the task is too tall for Illinois State. The chances are they're they're very slim pickings, aren't they, Mike? Um, I mean, it's been a long season, definitely like what you said, and just been a long kind of past couple of years with the program. I mean, hopefully coming up soon they're. There is an upward trend, but right now it's not looking that bright. And, and Josh, you know, you've been critical in, in, in the paper at times uh, to this this current program. What would you try to, if you were in, if involved, if you were Larry Lyons, let's say, athletic director here at ISU, what would your course of action be for trying to help fix this program, which has a very good history? You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a team that not that long ago was making runs, deep runs in the conference tournament, making runs in the NCAA tournament that has fallen on hard times. You're right, Tom. I have not been shy about my um, thoughts on this team, on this program. You know, Larry Lyons is going to have a tough decision um, probably Thursday night, Friday morning, when or whenever this weekend, if ISU loses. Um, of keeping Barb Smith retaining her for her last seat for her last year of her contract, obviously that has been written about so much that buyout clause is two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So they'd be paying her about fifteen twenty thousand dollars more to be cutting her and bringing in a new coach for the program. Like what you said, Tom. I mean, this isn't a program without. I mean, without any NCAA tournament berths, without any. This is a historic program. They got some. They got some good history. And they're just really at an all-time low, and changes need to be made. As I've been voicing throughout this throughout this year, throughout the past seasons, 
But like what Mike said, you never know what may happen in March. So I guess we'll see what happens this weekend for that Redbird women's basketball team and Barb Smith's future. And, and we do want to say, I think all of us, you know, we've all worked with Barb Smith. You report on the team, Mike. We all enjoyed working with Barb Smith. I think she's a you know great person to work with the media. The, the players obviously really like her. The team likes her, and you you hope to see them make a little mm-hmm. bit of a run. And that's something you talked about extra motivation. You know, I don't know if that's on the players' minds, but I'm sure it, they've at least seen some of the conversations. A good, you know, a win over Drake, maybe that could that could be something that really could weigh in the minds of Larry Lyons when he's making a decision in a few weeks. Yeah, and another thing that go along with that decision is Taylor Stewart has said that her motivation to become a coach after college is because of Barb, the impact Barb's had on her, and so she is a bit of a player's coach and. I think it just comes down to what really happens these next one game, two games, whatever games they have left. It really happens comes down to that. Without a doubt. I mean, yes, like what you guys have mentioned, she's a great person, always a great interview. But in the end, what, what matters is winning, and she has not been able to do that this year. Again, Larry Lyons with another big decision coming up this weekend. It'll be certainly interesting, guys. I think you're both predicting a first-round exit for the Birds. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I, I, I just, after watching this team all season long, I just, I, I don't think you, there's not, they do have some time off. Their last game was Saturday at Bradley, and so they have, you know, about a week, but that's, they usually get about that the same time frame. Usually they play Sunday into Friday, and so this time it's the same time frame, thir- or Saturday into Thursday, and so, you know, that time isn't going to fix all the turnovers and all the bad shooting and all that in that little bit of time that they've already had to work with. So I, I do. I think it'll be over. Definitely. This past weekend, actually, in St. Louis, a couple donors and uh, Redbird fans came up to me, some alumni. They asked me, they're, you after this MVC tournament, are you heading down to Hoops in the Heartland for this one annual one-day tournament? Um, obviously, they were spreading some jokes there. And, I mean, it's worthy enough. They, the program's at an all-time low. Um, I just don't see them getting it done this weekend. They haven't been able to get it done all season. What is going to change within the past couple of days? I'll be going with WZ indeed with myself, Nick Landy, and Andy Olson making the trip up to the Quad Cities. And I'll say this: I don't want to toot my own horn, but they are two and one in games I've called this year. And they played the one <laughs> loss they had was a competitive one. So you know, two out of their what the seven wins you said have come when I'm on the mic, and I'll be on the mic for Thursday's game on 103.3 WZ and D. I think the birds get it done on on Thursday, and I think they get a date against Drake on on Friday. Obviously, that's a difficult game. I think they they're going to have a, a better weekend than most expect in the Quad Cities this upcoming week, and that'll be certainly interesting to watch. I'm sure something we'll talk about in the upcoming weeks going forward. And just wanted to throw in there, tomorrow, um, Mike and myself will be going live on WJBC from 11 to noon with Mark Strauss. We will be on air talking Redbird hoops and just talking about the School of Communication in general, covering ISU Athletics, so be sure to tune in. That'll be Tuesday. Tomorrow, so yes, we're tomorrow recording- Tuesday at around 11 noon. <laughs> we're recording this on a Monday. That will do it for this edition of the Redbird Report. A little bit of a solemn affair after the Redbirds fall in Arch Madness, but we'll see. Next Sunday could be one of the most historic days in recent memory for ISU basketball. It'll certainly be a day that I, everyone in Redbird Faithful will be paying attention. For Mike Mara and Josh Tolentino, I'm Tom Prizman saying thank you so much for listening. Tune in next time for the Redbird Report.